Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Celebration. So guys, this isn't a cliche. Um, I know it gets said all the time, but it's really not a cliche. But, um, you know, I appreciate so much all of you being here this morning. It's so precious, the, 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 the skit the kids did for us and the songs and all that's been done. But would you guys agree with me that, uh, and, and I thought that song was such a perfect song this morning for, for the the morning and the message and everything. But in the day that we live in, life is busy anyways, and all the all the commercialism and everything that goes on, we have to push all of that back. And remember, this is about Jesus. It's about Jesus, right? And I, and I think even for those who love the Lord, that can be a challenge. And, and, it, and it's the gifts are nice, and the get-togethers are nice, and the family is nice, and the kids are great, and, and all of those things are fantastic, and I, and I enjoy all of those. But we have to remember, this is all about Jesus, yeah. right? And, and he did leave his home to come here to save us from our sins. And, and so uh, that is why we are here. That, that is what Christmas is about. That is why we are here this morning. And, uh, and that's what we want to talk about this morning is we want to talk about Jesus. So let us have a word of prayer if we could uh, to ask the Lord to bless the, the, his word this morning and we'll get into the message. <clears throat> Father, how I thank you for, Lord, every soul that is here. Lord, you know every individual. Lord, you know every need that, w- that came in this morning, Father. No doubt, Lord, represented there are there are so many different needs among us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give everyone what they need. Dear Lord, I know that you can. I trust that you will. Now, Father, as we look to your word, I pray, Lord, we would see, Lord, this is all about you. And Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me. Let them see you, I pray. In Jesus' holy name and amen. I trust everyone has a handout that needs one. Anybody need one that didn't get one? Kevin did not get one. All right, we will take care of that. Give us just a moment and we will get that for you. you The rest of you can be finding your way to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we'll we'll just go ahead and read the the verse while they're while they're getting there. Well, let me let me give you something else while they're doing that. I I, I found a little bit of um, I'm going to call it Christmas trivia. Um, you're always, we're always hearing you know we hear pretty much every year how um, we have kind of Americanized Christmas, right? We've kind of turned it into an American thing, and we see the nativities and everything. But but some of that may be a little bit Americanized. But I I've, this is not. This is just interesting things. Maybe we've looked at a little bit uh, wrong, but uh, have you ever thought about the fact that if if we look really at the Bible, um, all the other references in the Bible, the shepherds that that we that the angels came and spoke to, do you know that in the Bible most of the time shepherds were the young kids? You ever thought about that? I always think of some old man who's out there. You know, the angels appears to him. And there's some old man out there, and but but like David was the shepherd. All the older the brothers and everyone else, they weren't out there. But David, probably a young teenager, 
was out tending the sheep. So it's very possible that when the angels came to announce the Savior, they came to teenagers. Isn't that an interesting thought? Uh, just something to think about. Uh, the, the, the star, they said they followed the star. I have all my life wondered, how in the world do you follow a star? Anybody ever thought about that? How do you follow, you follow a star, right? Uh, but that word star actually, uh, if, we, if we look that word up, that, that word is actually uh, brilliance or bright. Uh, it's not necessarily talking about uh, a star in the sky, um, but it makes a lot of sense to me. That was the Shekinah glory of God. That was just the glory of God. You know, Paul on Damascus Road, he's out traveling and, and he looks up and he says something appeared. It was brighter than the noonday sun. And so um, it makes sense to me that the, 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 the glory of God was what was leading them and said, this is my son right here. So I thought that was an interesting thing. <clears throat> you probably heard this one before. This isn't really new. But uh, we, we saw the wise men that came down the, this, this morning and, and, and that was so precious watching the kids portray that. Uh, but uh, they were uh, Chaldeans and, and probably from Babylon. Isn't it fascinating that hundreds and hundreds of years before, when, when God sent Babylon to, to carry away Israel, that they got uh, Daniel and brought him to Babylon. And you know what one of the big things that Daniel taught about? Jesus. And so the, 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 the wise men would have, they, that's what they did. They studied the old, uh, all the old uh, writings and that. They would have studied Daniel and they would have said, huh, there's a Messiah coming. And when things started to line out, they said, we better go see. So isn't that interesting? The guy worked all that out with Daniel uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then the, then the people after him studying him would find out about Jesus who, who were not even from the Jewish culture. And I had never heard this before. I thought this was interesting. Again, most of this stuff has some biblical basis. It's not something you can be dogmatic on and say, this is how it is. But I've never heard this before. I am sure if you're living and breathing, you have heard all the people wanting to argue right now, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, right? Everybody wants to argue that, you know. I don't know what it really matters myself, but nonetheless, people want to argue about that. <clears throat> but scholars have studied this out, and, and I'll just be honest, this sounds like something God would do, okay? Now, again, you can't prove this dogmatically. This just sounds like something God would do. But the scholars believe that Jesus was conceived on March 25th. Now, if that's the case, then nine months later would be December the 25th, okay? But what's cool about that is scholars believe that on the same day Jesus was conceived is the same day he was crucified. Isn't that interesting? That just sounds like something God would do, right? Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what scholars think. But I just think that's interesting. That Doesn't that sound like God would have him have his son conceived, and then on the same day he would pay for all of our sins and, and go back to him? Just a little bit of interesting Christmas trivia. So do we? The, I think the handouts are here. Uh, so let's stand and read God's Word. <clears throat> if you don't have a handout, uh, the brothers will get you one here. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You can be seated. <clears throat> Amen. So I have a thought this morning, uh, but I'm going to give you what... Trust most of you already know some very familiar things. Just quickly, we're going to go over the familiar things. And then I hope to give you something new to think about uh, that, that maybe we haven't discussed a lot. I don't remember ever hearing another preacher preach on this, nor do I think I've ever preached on this. But I think it's a pretty fascinating thought. So just real quick, the familiar stuff, the stuff you guys know. For all of eternity, for, from eternity as far back as you could go, there was a father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? There's always been a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always. But they existed, it, they were all three Spirit, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed in Spirit. For, for as far back as, as eternity goes, they were always in Spirit. So Jesus did not start in Bethlehem. Jesus has always been, right? We understand that. But he was begotten, and he received a body in Bethlehem, right? So never before, never before, for, uh, for all of eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed, but never has there been a body. They've always been spirit. All of a sudden, God, the, the book of Philippians tells us that he, that he laid aside his, his prerogative to be invincible. And he said, I will, be, I will wrap myself in the flesh and become a man. Again, we know this. And so Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, right? And that's really mind-boggling. I mean, we've heard that preach many times, but that's mind-boggling because Jesus, God, could get hungry. God could get tired that God could get weary and you know God was hurt when people said bad things about him you think about that he was hurt when they pulled out his beard <laughs> they were hurt when he when he they smacked him in the face right he was a man so he was 100% man and he was 100% guy we know that okay so we we move forward in the story and we, we know, again, we've heard this preach before, but we know that God could not save us from our sins if he was not holy God and holy man, right? If he wasn't all man, he, he couldn't represent us. But if he wasn't all God, he couldn't pay for our sins. So he had to be 100% God and he had to be 100% man. Again, we know that. So Jesus lives a sinless life, never sins, lives a perfect life. He goes to the cross. He dies for our sins, paying the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he said to Telestai, which means it's finished. It's finished. Nothing more to do. Justification, forgiveness of sins is completely done. Sins are paid for. 
Right? Now we know this. This, this, is, this is nothing new. We know that Jesus humbled himself to be a man so you and I didn't have to go to hell. Can we just say hallelujah right there? Amen. Praise God for that. Now, all of that we know, all of that is familiar. This may not be as familiar, but it is, it is really, as I've thought about it, it is, it is really staggering to the mind. So Jesus dies. So here's the way Gary's mind would work. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in, in eternity past, in heaven. They live forever. They decide that, that one of them, God, Jesus the Son, God the Son, will come down and clothe himself in human flesh and live 33 and a half years, live a sinless life, pay for our sins. Now they can go to heaven, and now let's lay all that back aside, and Jesus goes back to heaven and takes on his original form of being in a spirit and, and forgets that whole being a man thing. Now that just makes sense to me. I mean, I mean, I probably wouldn't have left heaven to come down and save you guys. But if I would have, I would have said, as soon as I'm done, I want back what I had before. I don't want to stay a man. So the question is, when Jesus ascended back to heaven after he died on the cross, after he paid for our sins, after he waited, made a way that we could be saved, did Jesus remain a man? And the answer is yes. Jesus remained a man. And I don't know if anybody of you guys, but that is staggering to me. So real quickly, we're just going to try and uh, look, at, look at a few texts to, to, to think about this. I think this can be uh, um, pretty clearly backed up by Scripture. I think this is a good, solid biblical doctrine that Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus, after he arose from the dead, he walked around for 40 days in a glorified body. But was he still a man? Yeah. Thomas said, I won't believe. And Jesus said, well, come here and put your, put your fingers in there and see. I got, I got the scars to, uh, to prove it. Now, he had a glorified body, but he was still a man. He, he had the, 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 uh, the evidence of, of living here on this earth. So we, we fast forward a little while, you know, 70, 80 years, whatever it was, John the Revelator, he gets a heavenly vision. So now get the picture. Jesus has already ascended back to heaven. He's no longer here on earth. And, and if you will, God rolls back the curtain and says, John, take a peek. Is that what happened in Revelations, right? So John, or Revelation chapter 1, John looks into heaven, and this is what he sees. John, Revelation, or Revelations 1, 13 through 17, In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, interesting, Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about with the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet likened to fine brass, if they were burned in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And, in, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword, and with his countenance was as, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. That is describing what Jesus looks like. Not a spirit, not, not, not something you can't see. He had a body. He, he, was, he retained his body when he went to heaven. Now, we're going to read uh, Revelations 19, but, but let me just say this. How many of you believe here this morning before we read the Bible, how many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Is he coming back as a spirit? No. 
<laughs> he's coming back as a man, right? He's coming back as a man. Let's see what the Bible says. Re Revelations 19, 11 through 16. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doeth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen with, with clean, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Right now he, ha he has a body. He's coming back. He has a body. By the way, just, just as a, a side note real quick, it says the armies that are in heaven are coming back. You and I are going to have bodies too. We're not going to be floating spirits around. We're going to have bodies as well. But Jesus comes back as a man. You know, it says that they will, the, the, those that pierced him will see him. How'd you like to be them? Right? They're going to see him. And, and, and not to be controversial, but, but Jesus, when he reigns here on earth, it's not going to be a spirit reigning. It's going to be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's going to be Jesus Christ, right? So, so I, think we, I think we have pretty good evidence to understand that Jesus retained being a man. Here's what I want you to think about. Why would he stay a man? I'll be honest, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Why would he not go back to just being a spirit? Why would he hold on? Did you, do you guys, let, let's look at this real quick. Do you guys understand? Being a man's not an honor. Being a man was, was becoming dirt. Being a man was associating with filthiness and sinfulness. Being a man is not something that you want to, he sacrificed to do that because he loved us. But I would think as soon as he got the chance, he'd say, I want off of that. I don't want to be a man anymore. Men are sinful. Men are weak. Men are no good. I don't want to do that. You know what he said when he went back to heaven? I think I'll stay a man. Is anybody here going to say, why would he do that? <laughs> why? Why? It's hard to imagine why he would come and pay for our sins. But the Bible says it's because he loved us. But then it's really hard for me to understand why after he got the work done and he clearly said, it's finished, I did everything I had to do, their sins can be paid for, they can now go to heaven and be with me forever, why he wouldn't say, okay, God, I did my job, now get rid of this man and let me go back to being a spirit. But he didn't do that. Now, how many of you know that when Jesus does something, he has a reason? He doesn't just do things, you know, for no reason. He has a reason. So I would like to offer to you some reasons why Jesus chose to remain a man. And I would offer this, not only did he choose to be a man since, since he died on the cross, but may I offer to you, he is going to choose to be a man for all of eternity. Did you guys get how staggering that is? Now, now, now just quickly, I think it'd be cool if he would just say, okay, I'm going to be a man until, until they get to heaven, then I want to go back to being a spirit. But you know what he said? I'm just going to be a man forever. 
Do you, you guys get that being a man is, 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 a, is stepping down for God? And he decided to continue doing that. So why would he do that? Why would he stay a man? Well, let's just look at some scriptures here. We're going to go through these quickly. Try to, try to follow on. Maybe you can look at these later in, in private. <clears throat> this one is so very interesting to me. But Hebrews 2, 10, and 11 say, <clears throat> For it became him for whom are all things that and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, which, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you guys get that? If you are a Christian, Jesus said, you're my brother, you're my sister. And he said, I want to keep that going. I, 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 I want to, I associated with you in your weakness. I'm just going to continue associating with you in your weakness. I want to bring you to the Father. I want to make a way that you can fellowship with the Father. I want to make a way that your sins can be forgiven and that you can go to heaven. But I want to continue being one of you. One of you. I don't know about you guys, that's staggering to me, that he would be willing to continue being a brother, being one of us for all of eternity. <clears throat> but then let's look at a few other uh, verses. <clears throat> Hebrews 7.25, this is very familiar, but it is staggering. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Isn't that good news? Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus finishes his work on the cross. He goes back to heaven. He remains a man and he is there right now. And some of us keep him very busy. You know what he's saying? Father, they're with me. Father, they're with me. Father, they messed up again. Father, they're with me. He's there interceding for us. He, he's, he, he's, he's a man in the presence of God and he's saying, these are with me. They have received my blood. They have believed in me. And Father, I know they're kind of weak and I know they're kind of messing up and I know they're not perfect, but Father, they're with me. He's interceding for them. And don't you love it that it says to the uttermost? You know, you can't sin so much that God can't save you. There's one unforgivable sin, and that is rejecting Jesus Christ. And for that, you cannot be forgiven. And I, I mean when you do it till it's too late. But you can't sin so much that he can't save you because he will save to the uttermost. And that's good news, guys. <clears throat> so Jesus is actively carrying out our sanctification. That is a staggering thought. He paid for our sins being forgiven. He paid for our justification. Now he says you are forgiven in the eyes of God. You are, have the righteousness of the Son of God. Now I'm going to work, continue working to sanctify you because you can't do it without me. So I'm going to be here as a man helping you become what you're supposed to be. Do you guys see the picture? He not only paid for our sins, but he's trying to help us be like Jesus. Isn't that staggering? That's staggering. 
<clears throat> Hebrews 2.18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. How many of you use the word secure this week? Right? <laughs> okay. All right. Not, not a word we use all the time. But do you know what that word means in the Greek when you look that up? It means he's able to help you. It's just that simple. Do you guys get this? Jesus came here as a man. Though he never sinned, he felt temptation. He knows what it's like to, to, in Sunday school we talked about if he ever rolled his eyes or if he ever huffed or if he ever had an attitude. Anybody here ever roll their eyes or have an attitude or, or huff or puff, right? Jesus never did that. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He was a sinless son of God. But he understands what it is like to be tempted to do those things. And he said, now every time you're tempted, I'm able to help you. Do you guys get how staggering this is? Not only is he in heaven interceding for us, but every time you mess up, it's as if he runs down and says, I know what that feels like. Let me help you. I know what it's like to be weak. L l let me pick you up. I know what it's like to stumble. Here, let me help you. It says when we're tempted, he's able to secure us. He's, he's, able, to, he's able to lift us up. That is amazing, staggering news that Jesus still does that for you. Guys, it is awesome that he paid for our sins on the cross. It is awesome that, that we can become righteous as a son of God by believing in Jesus. But isn't it just as equally awesome that Jesus continues to work to sanctify us now? We have any Christians here who've messed up since you've been saved? Made any mistakes? Listen, guys, let's lay aside the making mistakes. Any of you guys here just outright sinned on purpose? Me? And when I do, he says, oh, no, son. Oh, no, son. I can't let you do that. You got to start acting like me. Anybody here have been chastised? Now, I don't know how it is for you guys, but I'm going to tell you how it is for me. I got chastised this week some, Okay. But as honest as I can, I'm not trying to sound all holy up here. I'm just trying to tell you what my Lord does. It is as if he is spanking me with one hand and hugging me with the other. Anybody ever felt loved and spanked at the same time? He said, son, you can't do that. I died so you could be righteous like me, and you're not living righteous like me right now, and you gotta, you got to live right, and I'm not mad at you. I'm just here to help you. I love you. I want you to be like me. And if you'd be like me, you could have the best life you could ever have. You'd just be like me. I love you. Guys, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. We see in a, a tremendous verse in 1 John 2, uh, one, and, uh, 1 and 2, it says, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. I would rather you not sin, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, here on earth, um, we, 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 uh, we use the word retainer. And, and I'm guessing most of you know what a retainer is. So if you, if you get into trouble, you do something you shouldn't, or maybe you're in trouble all the time, you, you have a lawyer who's on a retainer, right? And you pay him a certain sum, and that just means when you need him, he's ready, right? You, you've, you've already hired him. You've already got everything done. You're all right, I'm, I'm in jail. I need you to come fix this, right? And, and so we have a, a lawyer on a retainer. But I have the best lawyer who's working for me. And see, guys, what I think we don't understand is, he said, I would that you sin not. 
I would that you sin not. But when you do, I don't throw you away. I don't get mad at you. I go to the Father and I say, He's with me. And I know He's not any good and I know He's worthless and I know He's weak. But He's mine. And Father, forgive Him. We got an advocate. See, I kind of look at it like this. I heard one preacher, I don't even remember who I heard preachers, but I heard, I heard one preacher say it like this. Uh, may have been Spurgeon, I don't, I don't remember. But it's it like this. When we sin, he's our advocate. He goes, as our, return, uh, as our attorney, he goes and represents us in a court of law. And how many of you know this? He always wins. He doesn't say, man, I tried, but I couldn't get you off of it. He, he always wins. Right? He's one of the lawyers who just never loses. He always wins. So you mess up and he said, nope, I got you. I'll go represent you and I will win. Right? But then he intercedes for us and he says like this, advocates we need when we sin, but intercession we need when we're just human. We just, I didn't go out and do some big sin. I just, <laughs> I'm weak. I'm lazy. I, I'm, I'm human. Got my feelings hurt. I, I, I'm, I'm acting like a human. And Jesus says, oh, come on, come on, be more like me. Be, be more like me. He's interceding for us. So he intercedes for us. He's our advocate. He, he, he's doing all these things for us. In Hebrews 4.15, a, a very familiar scripture, but how precious is it if you really listen to what it says. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. Could it be that Jesus today, because he retained his manhood, still relates when we struggle? Is that possible? What it's saying is when he was on earth, there's nothing he was not tempted with that you and I are tempted with. Renee asked me this question just uh, uh, recently. You know, how many of you know that Jesus did not have to deal with a cell phone with pornography on it? Right? Jesus did not have to deal with Facebook making him mad, right? Jesus did not have to deal with, uh, you know, watching something on TV. So you say, well, how was he tempted? In every, in every way that a human is tempted, Jesus was tempted. Now, the, 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 uh, the particulars may have changed, but how many of you know the temptations have always been the same? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. It, it, it's just what all humans, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way to today, it's always the same. We as humans are, are sinful. And it says when we sin, there's a high priest, a man in heaven, who says, I know what that feels like. I know, I know what that is. Got your feelings hurt? I know what that is. Friends turned their back on you? I know what that is. <laughs> Had a bad day? Hey, I've been there. I know what it is. And I am your high priest. And I'm going to help you get through this. Do you guys see how awesome it is that Jesus remained a man in order to continue to minister to us? <clears throat> this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I absolutely love this. But uh, um, Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, it says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
It does not say an anchor to the soul that's pretty strong, holds most of the time. It says it is sure and steadfast. Guys, this anchor is not moving. And here's a picture that I see. Here's what I want you guys to see. Jesus as a man finished everything there was to pay for our sins. Jesus as a man finished his course and went back to heaven. Jesus as a man, uh, as a forerunner, as a representative of mankind, as a man went and in the way that you and I will go. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he, he set the path that we must walk on. But when he got there and sat down at the right hand of the Father, how many of you know there is nothing the devil or anything in this universe can do to move Jesus Christ? He's sure and steadfast. But here's the way I look at it. He went through the veil. He's in heaven. And he reaches back to us. He says, I'm, I'm solid where I'm at. Now let me reach back and get you and get you where I'm at. Do you guys see this? He's our anchor. He's already there, but he's our anchor. And he's reaching back to us. And he said, I'm steady. I'm sure I'm, I, I am, I'm unmovable. And though you are very movable, and though you are very weak, and though you have nothing to get, get here, I, as your anchor, am going to make sure you get here. Guys, we gotta say hallelujah that he would do that for us. So my conclusion, why he would stay a man... He connected, I want you guys to really get this. He, he came to earth and he connected with us. He felt our weaknesses, he felt our pain. He went through everything he did to pay for our sins. And when it was all said and done, he said, I don't want to lose my connection with mankind. Guys, is that staggering? Is that staggering anybody? He said, no, I... I, you know, I, the Bible doesn't say I'm not going to try and speculate on, on, on things that are, that are none of my business. But it does not say if God the Father and God the Son sat down and had a, had a conversation and said, do you want to be a man or do you want to be a spirit? You choose. doesn't say that. But you know what it does say? He stayed a man. And, and whether, wh wh however that came about, what I want you to see is he loved us so much. Once he connected with us, he didn't want to disconnect from us. He didn't want to go back to being a spirit who could not connect with us. So he stayed a man so he could continue to help us to get to heaven. And guys, justification, being saved from your sins is not by works. It is by grace. It, it is all Jesus. But how many of you know that sanctification uh, is, it, it is by works. It is by what we do. And it doesn't get you to heaven. It just makes you more like Jesus. But how many of you know we could not justify ourselves? How many of you know we can't sanctify ourselves? We can never be good. We can never quit doing the things. We can't quit being human. So he says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you not be human. The Bible teaches us that, uh, that, that as, as disciples, we are to take up our cross and die. You know what die means? Quit being a human. <laughs> Quit acting like Adam and be like me. <clears throat> so the last thing I want us to think about is the depth of his love. And that's what I really want you guys to see. It's, it's a tremendous story that Jesus would leave heaven and come and be a little baby. You know, um, 
try to say this the right way. Um, is this staggering to anybody? The, the text that I read to you, it says that the angel told Joseph the, the, Mary was pregnant, okay? If your fiancé becomes pregnant, that's generally a problem, right? And the angel showed up and said, no, 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 no. Wasn't another man. It was the Holy Ghost. But is this staggering to anybody? And as I just kind of got to think about this this week. Is it staggering to anybody? If I was going to go to all the trouble of being God and coming here and, and being a man, I would have said, let me start at five years old. Let's just bypass that whole conception and birth canal and womb and that, that, that whole, let's just skip that part. But you guys know that, I, I, I try to say this G-rated, as an embryo, he was still God. What we say today is a blob of tissue. He was God. See, he didn't bypass any of it. Everything that it was to be a man, he was. The, the birthing process I don't remember, but some of you women told me that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's not a fun thing, right? But Jesus went through that. And, and, and everything that a child has to go through, everything that a man has to go through, uh, you know, not to be disrespectful, anything, but Jesus went through puberty and he went through adolescence and he went through all of the things that all of us go through. And he didn't bypass any of that because he wanted to relate to us so he could be just like us. And that's staggering to me that he would do that. And so the depth of the love, and after he did all of that, he did not take that back. He said, I want to stay connected to them. I want to remain a man. So the depth of his love, <clears throat> justification is all of grace. We've already said that. Uh, becoming what we are positionally. So when you get saved, the day you get saved, whether you've been saved for a, a week or for 20 years or for 40 years, whenever you get saved, uh, you're not like Jesus. Can I get an Amen. You are not like Jesus. But he says, if you will believe in me, I will take all of your sins away and you can have the righteousness of God on your account. Now, we preach that many times. I'm not going to preach that again. But I want you to understand, that's justification by faith without works. And that's how we get to heaven. But now, you need to start being like me. And that does require effort. That does require work. And it may be a little confusing... To some, when we say we are saved by grace without works, and then we say we are to become sanctified, but the truth is, though there are decisions we make and there are efforts we put in and all of that, the truth is none of us have the ability to become sanctified. You can't become like Jesus unless He helps you. You can do nothing without Jesus. Amen? Amen? And He comes and helps you to become what you are positionally in reality. Now, I don't know about all of you guys. I've been saved for a while. I know many of you have been saved for a while. Maybe you haven't been saved very long. Different, different uh, people that are here, different uh, walks in their spiritual life. But, but how many of you can say today... However long you've been saved, if you've been saved for a week or 40 years, how many of you can say, today, I'm not like Jesus, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. Amen? 
Right now, if you can say you're like Jesus, you need to be up here and I need to be sitting down. Right. But none of us are like Jesus. And listen, we don't believe in sinless perfection. We don't believe we come to a point where, where we've just we've got it all done. But I would I would hope that we can all testify to the fact I have killed some of the old Gary. Now, I'm still trying to kill the rest of him. I still got Gary hanging around. He's, he's still a nuisance. He still acts like Adam. He's still sinful. I'm trying to get rid of the rest of him. But I have killed some of Gary. Some of Gary has died. I hope you guys can say that. Now, I'm guessing if I live to be 90 or 100 years old, I'll still be saying, yep, Gary's still bothering me. I, st I still haven't killed all of him. He's, he's still hanging around, right? But I hope, I hope if the Lord gives me another 40 years, I hope I can say I've killed a whole lot more of him than I have right now. Are you guys with me? How's that happen? Jesus. Jesus. He's the only way that I can kill Gary. Because can I tell you, if we understand this, uh, um, my soul and my flesh want to protect themselves from Jesus changing me. Because I want to be selfish and I want to be self-centered and I want to be what Gary wants. But Jesus is trying to get rid of my flesh so I will act like him. Right? And the depth of the love that he has to, to work so hard on that. It would seem re very reasonable to me that if, as hard as he worked to pay for our salvation, he would have stopped then. He said, no, even though I finished justification, I'm going to continue working to sanctify them uh, to, to where they can be like they're supposed to be. <clears throat> So is it possible that Jesus, this is a staggering thought, is it possible that Jesus is working as hard to see us sanctified as he did to see us forgiven? Does anybody think it was quite a bit of work to save us from our sins? Lived 33 and a half years, made fun of, mocked, ridiculed, run out of town, all the things that happened to him, all the things that happened leading up to his crucifixion, died on a cross. Not only was he tortured physically, but he, he suffered the hell that you and I deserve, separated from the Father. He went to all that trouble. And, and we, we've heard that preached so many times, but is it possible he's working just as hard now to sanctify you as he did to justify you? And does anybody can say, Wow. Wow. I mean, he loves us that much. So guys, I want to tell you this. When you fail, he's there. Amen? Listen, it is false doctrine, and, 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 and maybe it's here, but it is false doctrine. When I fail, I'm a Christian. When I fail, God's mad at me. God turns his back on me. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with me. I've sinned so much. He, you know, when you fail, Jesus, Jesus, if you can imagine, Jesus steps up out of his seat. He said he's with me and he does everything in his power to pull you back to where you're supposed to be. Guys, you understand that he knows we're going to fail, but he's not willing to let us do that. He's going to do everything he can to pick us back up. We can't. He's there. Are there any Christians here this morning who have ever said, I can't do that? You know, I, as a pastor of this church, I've had many people say, well, I can't stop getting mad. I just get mad. I can't help it. I can't stop doing that. Well, you know, you're right. That's true. But Jesus can. Jesus can. I, I can't quit talking about people. That's just how I am. I can't help it. No, you can't. But Jesus can. I just speak my mind and tell people how it is. Well, you probably can't stop that, but Jesus can. I worry myself to death. I can't, I can't help it. That's how I'm wired. You're right. You can't, but Jesus can. Do you guys get this? 
I can't quit lusting and looking after women. I just can't, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. But Jesus can. Guys, there is no excuse that'll hold up. What, what can you do that Jesus says, I can't fix that? I can't help you. <laughs> that, that one's too hard. Guys, anything we fail at, anything we can't do, Jesus can do. And when we give up, He picks us back up. Amen. Are you glad for that? I'm, I'm guessing if we went around the whole audience this morning and had everybody testify, there's probably nobody here that hasn't at one point or another said, I quit. I give up. I can't do this anymore. But we'd also have to say, about the time that happened, something from heaven moved, came after me, picked me back up, and kept me going. Amen? That's the Christian life. And you say, was that a Christmas story? Well, it started God with us in Emmanuel, but it ends with God being man with us now and forever. I say hallelujah. Amen? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.